Today, I'm going to be talking about the importance of patterns in the sports card market. But first of all, as always, how's it going, y'all? Conrad Sports Cards here. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. It's already almost midnight for me, but I love content creation and I love you guys. So, of course, I had to come out with another episode for you. Um, Got my notes, as always. Let's just get straight into this one. And today, I'm actually going to be starting you guys off with a little story that I hope you find entertaining. So we have our main character. His name is going to be Matt. And so Matt is out working in his front lawn, uh, working on his garden, getting it ready for the, I don't know. I don't know gardener terms, the gardening season, right? I'm not a gardener. I don't know. That's besides the point. Um, Getting ready for the gardening season, I guess, right? And he sees his neighbor actually pull into the driveway. Um, And so he's, you know, his neighbor's been gone for a couple of months. So Matt decides to go over and, you know, catch up, see how he's doing, you know, how was the trip and, you know, just what happened, right? It's been a while. So Matt goes over there to talk to him and he goes over and he sees that his, his neighbor has a bunch of bags with him, you know, some relatively small burlap bags, but there's a lot of them regardless. And so Matt, of course, decides to ask him, Hey, what's in those bags? And his neighbor pulls them out, opens one up and Matt looks in and is absolutely shocked to see a bunch of gold, little, little, little nuggets and, you know, little gold dust. He's absolutely blown away. And so he asks his neighbor, where in the world did you find this? What in the heck, what in the heck happened? You know, he's a ton of questions. Like all of a sudden his neighbor can retire at the age of 30. And so his neighbor, of course, tells him, well, there's this whole gold rush thing going on in Dallas and down in California. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go and see if I can get my fair share of profits. And he struck gold and he's now able to retire at the age of 30. Right. Like I said before. And so Matt looks at him. He's like, I'm going to get my fair share of profits, right? I want to do the same thing. I'm going to go down to California and see if I can find myself some gold. And so his neighbor tells him, well, first of all, you are going to need a couple of things. And he gives him a whole list, you know, pickaxes, food and water, a tent, right? Shovels, oil lamps. Like those are the essentials. I'm sorry, my camera's shaking a little bit, but but that's besides the point. And he gives him all the essentials and tells him there's a shop. It's Eric's little shop here. Go visit Eric. He has everything you need. I totally recommend him, right? And- that's exactly what that's exactly what Matt does. He hitches up his wagon and he sets off for California to see if he can find some gold, right? And of course, he stops by Eric's Eric's little store, gets all the essentials, like I said, oil lamps, food, water, you know, the the um, necessary mining uh, and digging materials, right? And so he gets gets his materials and then he goes on and finishes his journey to California. Once he gets there, he gets his little plot of land, sticks his shovel into the dirt, and he is ready to make some money, right? Um, got there a little bit late, but, uh, you know, after his first day of digging, he didn't find anything, but you know, it's only the first day his neighbor was gone for months before he actually, you know, had found anything. Right. So it might take a little while before Matt can find some stuff too. And so he digs for a couple more days. And after the first week, he decides, you know, he's dug enough in the same plot. So he's actually going to, you know, trade plots with another guy and, you know, try to dig there and see if he can, you know, uh, find, you know, find some gold in, in his plot. Right. And, he does this a couple more times. It's almost been about a month and a half now, and he's starting to get a little bit worried, right? He hasn't found anything yet, and so keeps digging, keeps digging, keeps trying. Uh, and after the two-month mark, two-and-a-half-month mark, he still has not found any gold. A couple of other people have that have been around him, but not a ton of other people have. And Matt's kind of afraid that he's not going to find anything. And finally, after about five straight months of digging for gold and panning for gold, Matt comes back home because he's run out of money, right, to support himself. And he comes back home empty handed. In fact, it wasn't just Matt that came back, uh, came back home empty handed. 
but a lot of other people did. There were very few people during the gold rush that actually did manage to strike it rich and find their gold, you know, like Matt's neighbor. But we can learn a little something from this, right? Because while Matt may not have made a lot of money and there was a good majority of people that still did not make a ton of money mining for gold, there was a certain group of people that did make a ton of money. And that group of people was Eric and people that owned shops, people that supplied the miners with their pickaxes and their shovels and their oil lamps and the food and water that was needed to go and search for gold. The people that supplied the supplies to try and find gold were the ones that were safe, were that, that were the safest, and that also made a lot of money. We can definitely learn something from this in the sports card market because, you know, you can go ahead and search and take your little gambles here and there, which is totally fine. But if you commit too much money to particular gambles because you think you could strike it rich, there's a very good chance that you're not going to actually strike it rich. And also, if you are chasing the peak of a card, you may actually miss out on the prime time to sell and be left with very very little or if any profit so what should you do what what is the lesson to learn what are the steps you should take from this story here's what i will tell you i'm not saying you should go out and be a supplier for cards i'm not saying you need to go out and sell penny sleeves and top loaders and um you know, card savers and stuff like that. Although actually that, that may be a very lucrative side of, of the sports card business if you can get your hand on some of those products for cheap. But that's besides the point. That's not what I'm saying you have to do, although it is certainly an option. What I'm saying is you need to spot these patterns and trends in the market. That way you know when the prime time to sell is. So that way you can be the supplier of those super in-demand cards to the 90% of the sports card market that is trying to hit their gold. I hope that makes sense to you guys. Um, so what are some good examples of this? And I've actually posted about this uh, a few times before on Instagram. I'll, of course, link that. Uh, it's in the description, and I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. But what's a good example of this? Well, I've talked about this before, but right now, I think you should be buying the second-year sophomore QBs. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, uh, Tua Tango Veloa, I think I'm saying his name right, but I'm, I might be wrong. I always mess it up. And Justin Herbert. I think that's the other quarterback that I forgot about. Those four guys. Now, the reason that you should be investing in those four guys specifically is because, A, the players that aren't in the playoffs are the ones that tend to rise first, and none of them made the playoffs. But then also, the other reason that you should be investing in these guys is because these guys are the hottest uh, players, the hottest category of player before the season starts. Before the season starts, these second-year QBs are the ones that sell the best, that see the largest jump in terms of their price, right? The largest return on investment, depending on when you buy. Because a lot of people look at them and they're like, hey, they had a great rookie season and they had a pretty good rookie season, but one extra year of play under their belt and improvements made from the team, whether that was in free agency or the draft, they're going to have a much better season and I'm going to be buying these guys because I think that they're going to have a great season next year. They're trying to find their gold. But if you take a step back, prepare months beforehand, right? Because the next season doesn't start. <clears throat> excuse me, I just choked on my own spit, but the next season doesn't start for another 
whatever, seven months, six months, right? So you're planning months in advance to eventually be supplying these, these, the 90% of the sports card market with the cards that they want. And you will be the one that is not only being are playing it safe, but also making a very good amount of profit because you were able to spot this trend, this demand trend, and sell the right cards at the right time. Another good example of this is before the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, buying your buying your guys that are that you think are going to be on the, the number one through three seeds of each conference, the superstars on each of those teams. Those guys always peak during the first round. So if you plan months in advance, you can eventually be selling those cards at the peak right before the first round starts. Um, so like those those are some examples. I just I hope you take something from this. Right, study the market. Do your research. Um, there's a ton of people out there, a ton of different um, content creators that, that are going to be providing you with some great, great advice. But most importantly, you have to know or not know, but you have to understand where these trends are because it's a very, very easy, easy. It's not like it's a very easy way to make very good money in the sports card market. If you just take a little extra time to do the research and if you're just willing to hold cards for longer than two weeks or three weeks, right? If you're willing to hold it for a couple of months, you can make some serious profit and be safe when doing so. That's uh, that's all I have for you guys today, right? If you did enjoy it, go ahead and check out my other podcasts or videos like this, whether it's checking out the channel or just checking out the Spotify, right? Um, if you did like this, I'm sure that there's going to be many other videos that you did enjoy. Also, in the description is going to be a link tree with all of my social media accounts, you know, TikTok, Instagram, and stuff like that. So if you do want a lot more content of mine, that is the best place to find it. I post a lot on those platforms, so it's definitely a great way um, to you know learn a little bit more about the hobby, but also a good way to get in touch with me. If you don't want to leave a comment, you can send me a DM, and I'll be sure to respond to you. Uh, but once again, thank you for turning into this, tuning into this episode, and I will see you guys next time.